All right, morning, evening, afternoon, all, and welcome back to another episode of the Plug Live podcast. Whenever, wherever you listen to this, I hope you're having a hell of a day. I tell you who's having a hell of a day is Charlie Woods, who just shot a 68 yesterday in a tournament in Florida with his dad, Tiger Woods. You might have heard of him, caddying on the bag to win a tournament, so that was pretty sick. Elsewhere in the world of golf, we also had the third best event, third best team event in the world. So obviously number three is the President's Cup, number two is the Ryder Cup, and number one is every single week on Live Tournament, on the Live Tour. Um, all right, let's dive into it. Like, What happened this week in the world of golf? Well, the USA won, which was to be predicted by a lot of people. It didn't take a genius or an Einstein to work that one out, but it did happen, and it does happen. And this this isn't you. We mentioned this in the podcast last week. Last week, we said that in, or 10 of the top 12 players in the world over the last six months were on the US team, except for Sung Jae and Taylor Pendred, driving distance out of the 12 longest players off the tee over the past 12 months. Nine of them were wearing red, white, and blue. Trevor Immerman even acknowledged this. He said, I think it's quite clear we're the underdogs. Gen- we generally have been in this competition over the years, so it's a tag that we're used to. I said it, they were the underdogs. It would have taken a miracle for it to happen. The only way, in my opinion, that it could have happened was if they played Kevin Kisner in all, whatever it was, 30 matches, which was impossible, of course. Well done, you, if you got that joke. Um, the, aside from that, like the UST or the International Presidents Cup team hadn't won an international or foursomes match since 2005. That didn't ha- that didn't finish this week. That record. So things didn't look good on paper and they didn't play out great but listen it could have been a lot worse like on Saturday evening the international team went in 11-7 day and four points had we felt like there was going to be another fucking miracle at Medina but it could have been 13-5 they won their last two matches on Saturday evening just to instill a little bit of belief a little bit of hope into the team that they could have go and do this so they did fight back and it did get exciting for a while Let's give it. Um, so let's talk a bit where it kind of went right, where it went wrong. First of all, let me mention this. The course, I thought, I wasn't a big fan of going to Quail Hollow, especially what we experienced at Royal Melbourne. It felt like we were getting a demotion in work. You were after being made CEO, and now you're going in as an intern. It felt like that, comparing Quail Hollow to Royal Melbourne. It didn't really work out as bad as I thought it would. I thought the Course was set up very, very well. The no laying up guys were discussing that they felt like the greens were too firm. I didn't mind them that firm. I thought it was actually fun to watch it because it allowed for certain runoff areas around certain greens that players, if they were playing tire golf or watering down the greens, perhaps they wouldn't have been, those runoff areas wouldn't have been utilized at all. Where did it go right or wrong for the international team or the US team? The early matches in this Presidents' Cup were so tight. So Daniel Rappaport was writing about this with Barstool Sports earlier that eight out of the first 10 matches reached a 17th hole. That's sick. And it just felt like the US team got the rub, rub of the green at times. They just performed a little bit better coming down the stretch. But it was just that tight. And like the, after Thursday, the US went in 4-1 up. After Friday, the US went in 8-2 up. Eight out of those first... And then Saturday morning, it was a two-all. Eight of those first 10 matches reached a 17 green. It was tight coming down there. Unfortunately, it didn't work out in the favor of Trevor Immerman's team. 
Um, Davis Love the third must be delighted with some of his players. If I was him, if I was reflecting on his performance, I don't know if I'd be delighted with my performance. That's me personally speaking. But listen, who am I to judge? Okay, my job on this podcast is to judge, so I will judge. Uh, he will be delighted though with some of his players. Like Jordan Spieth had an, an excellent, excellent week. A grade, 5 0 undefeated. Won a singles match on Sunday. First time ever winning a singles match from eight tries in one of these team events. And like he bet Cameron Davis, who actually won the first two holes of Paris. Like Jordan Speed just obviously made it. I didn't see Sunday that much, but he obviously made a bogey or a double bogey. Jordan Speed is class. He's listen, that it doesn't take a genius to work that out either. But like on Thursday evening, like he was playing with JT, JT Duff's one on a par three, short of the green. J- Jordan gets up and down, short game wizard. There was another hook that JT hit off one of the tees into the trees. And Jordan Speed hits this out with the point straw, this little low draw onto the green. It was sick. Jordan Speed is so good in these team events. It just it feels like he's unbeatable. It, it I know he's lost seven singles matches, but when you're watching them, you're like, this chap has so much grit and determination to dig deep. I fucking love I love Jordan. I love him. There, I said it. Uh, his partner in crime. Was a five foot ten bulldog, the Mister Justin Thomas. What a dog! Like he's given out on Sunday about not being given that three foot paw. He lost where he lost to Siwoo Kim. He's he, he digs deep. He's the US team was expected to win this. This is this is no surprise. Justin Thomas is still screaming down pots, roaring. He's making fifteen footers. He's screaming at players. He's slapping fucking Jordan on the arse. He's running around going nuts. It's, I, JT is like a dog in these team events. I think Jordan has the ability just to dig deep. Justin Thomas is like in your face. He's like that little tight, little nippy corner back that annoying the corner forward for the whole game, holding on to his jersey. It just feels like JT is that guy. He went 4-1-0. If we're talking about, like, I don't know if I describe Max Homa as a bulldog. But what an announcement onto the President's Cup stage for your first ever President's Cup. You went 4-0-0, undefeated over the course of the week, coming off that Fortinet Championship win. That putt he made on Friday evening was absolutely clutch. He is a team player. I think he would be unreal in Rome. And the thing about Max Holm is, and Danny Rapport referred to him again, he wrote about this earlier, is that Max Homer feels like he has imposter syndrome. Like he doesn't deserve to be where he is. Max Homer, you absolutely deserve to be considered one of the best players in the world over the last 18 months. Five wins in the PGA Tour since 2019, four wins since January 2021. Sick, sick player. And he has the ability to dig deep. When we talk about like, and even we can go back to the example like digging deep. That chip on the 18th against Danny Willa on Sunday at the Fortinet Championship, that's not luck. That is not luck. That is being able to put yourself into contention so many times over and over again over the course of 18 months and make that shot happen under pressure. Sure. But like, if you put some of these other players like uh, Sebastian Munoz or Christian Bizaden had no disrespect to them. They haven't been in the position to win a PGA tournament really before many times. 
from being in that position so much, you get the opportunity to make these clutch moments, understand how your body's reaction reacting. Max Homer, I think, is just an incredible player. Imposter syndrome, like he is top, top notch. I'll tell you who's supposed to be a top notch player and wasn't a top notch player this week. What's well, the number one player in the world, which is so weird? Scotty Sheffer. He hits he shanked the ball. He only got half a point this week with the kids master. You you gotta be expecting more out of Scotty Sheffer this week. If you're Davis Love the third. And if the US team lost, <laughs> I fear for the worst for Scotty that he would have been looking back in this week thinking, why didn't I perform that well? But that is the love of match play. That's 18 holes. Anything can happen. Speaking of players who didn't perform well, and I did just mention, it's the Kismaster, the Kevin Kisner lad. If he comes to Rome, I will leap out of my chair with excitement that the European team have a, a good chance. I mentioned it last week that the only chance that the international team could, could have won this week was if Kevin Kisner got to play all 30 matches. Unfortunately, it didn't work out like that because... It can't work out like that. But I thought that that was the only way the international team could win. He got a half a point. Let, let me just give you this from DG at DG betting underscore on Twitter. who tweeted out, I think it was on Friday even, from, from outside 100 yards so far this week, Kevin Kisner has hit six of 19 greens with a closest approach of 28 feet. That's, that's atrocious. And people talk about him because he's this match play player that... Like, I just, I'm, I'm out on Kevin Kisner. I don't think he should be near the US team if I'm a US captain. I'm delighted if he comes as a US, er, as a European player. Kevin Kisner is not good enough to be on these teams when we take the top 10 or top 12 players in the US. I don't know how he's even in the same bracket as some of these players. That's my thoughts on Kevin Kisner. But maybe he's just there for the beer. Like, in fairness, he said that in his conference. He's like, I'm not here. To, like, I'm just here for the party after. He's the partier of the team. That's Kisner, the partier. Um, so one of the questions I got earlier on on Instagram, moving on to the international team, one of the questions I got earlier on on Instagram was, Trevor Immerman, great leader, bad strategist. <laughs> it wasn't really a question, more so of a statement. Hell yeah. Agree completely. Like We, we can be critical of Trevor Immerman. Like Davis and Siwoo came one on Thursday, didn't go out again Friday. Sung J.M. and Sebastian Munoz won a, drew on Friday, didn't go out Saturday. Christian Pazaden had Mito Pereira, drew on Friday, didn't go out Saturday. Hideki, um, uh, Hideki and Adam Scott won on Saturday morning, didn't go out Saturday even. K.H. Lee and Tom Kim won on Saturday morning, didn't go out again Saturday even. Let me just put it like this. At what stage do these captains say, we are not living in our models anymore, or our Excel sheets, or, or whatever they're doing? I don't, I don't understand it. Park Harrington had a similar approach down in down at Winston Straits where the European Ryder Cup team got trashed, annihilated by the US team. I don't, I don't see the benefit of this. Park Harrington did it. He sent out Wiesberger, Fitzpatrick, and Casey, and they all had zero points. And then he sat out Friday, he sat out Sergio on Friday afternoon when Sergio had won that match on Saturday morning with John Ram. And it just feels like this is all so set in stone. We'll speak a little bit about Tom Kim later, but Trevor Immerman said in this press conference that sending out Tom Kim tent was always going to be the plan or he, whatever he was going to send out Tom Kim in a certain spot, no matter what, whether they were 10 points up or 10 points down abandon ship Trevor. 
you need them out there to get some points on the board early. You need, if your parents are winning, you ride that parent. You don't, I don't see why you sit back and say, no, listen, this is what we, this is what the model tells us. Go with your gut. Just abandon the model. Throw the sheets and the calculators in the bin. Throw your, shut down your computer laptops. Just do, go with your gut. That's my advice for Luke Donald next year. Don't just say just because a simulator does 20,000 simulations over the course of two days that these are the best players or these are the best parents. Or Just go with what you think. We don't need to have this anymore where we just rely on a computer to do all this stuff. That's my thought. Now, in saying all this, getting back to the original comment was Trevor Immerman, great leader, bad strategist. Hell yeah. Unbelievable leader. I would I would ride into battle for Trevor Immerman in a heartbeat. I think he, the way he approached this whole tournament, meeting up with players over the last 18 months, getting 20 or 25 or 30 players to dinner every couple of weeks at a PGA Tour event, understanding that they're the underdog coming into this event, not trying to set unrealistic expectations, get getting players on board to buy into what he's doing, preparing them, bringing them to Quail Hollow. I think Trevor Inman is an excellent, excellent leader and he would motivate anybody to do anything. I, I do genuinely think that. He had, a, he had a quote after that I thought just summed up everything so, so well. He, In terms of his people management skills we always talk in the workplace about how people managers are the best managers because they understand people's emotions and how they're going to react his quote after was in a lot of ways the last two days the partnership between Sung Im and Sebastian Munoz shows the growth of our team because years ago a Korean player and a Colombian player would not be paired together they barely understand each other so for those two athletes to go out there and earn a half a point and a half in the last two days playing against this kind of kind of competition is really really impressive and i'm extremely proud of them that that sums up he had the ability to bring these players together motivate them get them singing off the same hymn sheet excellent excellent leader just i would personally be skeptical of some of his decision making processes um in saying all this he can't be he can't be blamed entirely uh like he sent out his big horses first. Against David and Goliath, he sent out Adam Scott and Hideki Matsuyama Thursday morning. They lose six and five the first day to Xander Schauffele and Patrick Cantley. If you're Adam Scott and Hideki Matsuyama, you cannot be getting trashed six and five in the first match. You cannot have your teammates who are playing up 12 seeing you walk off the 13th green, finish with your match. That was a tough pill to swallow. That was you. That I don't know. Adam Scott's putting was just absolutely horrific over the three day or over the four days, or especially over the first two days. It just couldn't like the very very first putt in the first green. He likes it. I think he had like something like twenty feet, and he still leaves it like seven feet short of the pin. And then one, I think, could have the next hole or one of the next few holes, he sends a putt like eight feet past the pin. Just couldn't get his putter working, and this is about this is Adam Scott, who you're hoping is a cornerstone of your team. Ah, it's a tough, tough pill to swallow for Adam Scott. In saying all this, as well, Trevor Immerman might never visit Canada again. He might never want to speak to a Canadian person again, because Corey Connors and Taylor Pendrith 
went 0-4-0 each. Both of them lost four matches. And these would have been, especially Corey Connors, who's such a reliable, consistent player. He's coming off the back of like a T5 at the BMW and five T30s in a row before that. He was playing well. He's excellent iron player. Hits a lot of fairways. Just did not turn up this week and lost four matches. He lost two matches to Spieth and Thomas, lost with Taylor Pendrick to Horschel and Homa, and then lost a singles match against Schofle. And I think Sunday just summed it up pretty much from he missed from four feet on 17 on Sunday. And then on 18th, he kind of chunked his approach. Just this week, Corey Connors did not have it. The Canadian. Um, speaking of the Canadians, Taylor Pendrith coming off the back of a T67 at the Ford net, 10 consecutive cuts made, also lost four matches. Lost. Oh, I just think it was a, a brutal, brutal one to swallow from the Canadian duo if you're Trevor Immerman. Uh, if you want to think about who was potentially good for the international team, Siwoo Kim, A+. He won three points from a possible four. This kid's only 20 years old. He he can't even have a beer in America yet. And he had JT rattled on Sunday by making him hit that putt. He won three out of four points. Dog. Absolute dog. Uh, and I thought he was excellent this week. Um, Sung Jae In was a little bit disappointing. He tied his match with uh, Sam Burns and Scotty Scheffler. Let's just have on Friday, like Sebastian Munoz, Sebastian Munoz and Sung Jae had a best ball 63. Sam Burns and Scotty Scheffler had a best ball 62. Sick. Um, but he only won 2.5 points from a possible five. I think he'd be a little bit disappointed with how he played as well this week. Oh, he, he wasn't the worst, but he wasn't the best. Who was the best then? Well, not in terms of points, but in terms of the best display. Tom Kim, raise your hand up. You've won the heart of the people around the world. President of the, president of Earth. Um He's ripping his pants open. He's ripping his opponents apart. He's hitting, like on Saturday afternoon, hit two iron to 10 feet and 18, made the putt, went ballistic. So, so enjoyable watching him play this week. He, oh, he, he is just one of these, he's a remarkable player. And the emotion that he showed, trying to rally troops. He, like, the thing is, he lost his first two matches. He lost on Thursday, he lost on Friday. He goes out Saturday and wins his two matches. He's given a fist bumps. He's given everything. At this stage, the America, the international team are like eight four down, and he's st- or ten or ten. Um, or sorry, eight two down, eight four. That's all wrong, isn't it? Sorry, whatever they're down on Saturday, I'll do the maths later. Um, they're eight two down. Sorry, he's going crazy. He's hyping up the troops. He's playing with KG. That's what you need. That's what you need. And he goes out and he loses a singles match to Max Homa on Saturday, on Sunday afternoon. What in the name of God are we doing putting Tom Kim out tent? You're looking for a man to get out there early, put some black in the board, inspire the troops. You put Tom Kim in number two, number three, let him go, potentially win his point. And not only that, then he starts coming back around to all the other players and he starts rallying up them troops as well, giving them slaps on the arses or whatever, lighting fire under their asses. I don't know what he's doing. He's getting them going though and that's what they needed on Sunday. And they put him out tent 
I thought was one of the most uh, such a questionable decision, and it made it me to me personally it made no sense. But that's just me personally, and I'm not captain of the international team, and I'm sure there was some stupid data spreadsheet or data model that told him to do that. Um, what else do we have to touch on here? Uh, so kind of getting on to a little bit of theory and hypotheticals then. One of the questions I got during the week was Europeans versus international team, who wins? I, I, I think it's the European team. Uh, I just think they have a, a few better players, a little bit more depth. In saying this, if Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman and Abraham Anser were still there, I'd say international team all day. I would have thought that they they always would have won that. That would have been my thoughts. But I just think at this moment in time, I think the European team would have too much firepower for this international team. Just my thoughts. And speaking of the European Ryder Cup team, we've got only 12 months to the Ryder Cup at Mark Simone, Marco Simone, where the European Ryder Cup team will attempt to overcome the international or the US team. Luke Donald must be a little bit more excited over the past few weeks than what he was maybe a month ago or a few months ago when he got this job from Henrik Stenson. Guido Migliotti won uh, this week at the French Open at Le Golf National. Uh, he must be he must be just a little bit more excited. He's Guido Migliotti after winning. Shane Larry's won. Rob McIntyre. They've all won on the European Tour over the last few weeks. Just a little bit more hope from there. Um. And listen, I understand what we're coming up against in this US team. The twenty, There's no doubt about it. The 2023 Ryder Cup by Marcus Moen will be so, so tough for the European team. They will be the underdogs, no doubt about it. And they, the US team were not as good as I thought they'd be this week. I honestly thought a 21-9 would be on the cards for the US team to win. But Let's, let's just bear in mind that the US team has won 12 out of the last 14 Presidents' Cups. So that's no surprise. What they haven't done is they haven't won on the European soil since 1993. Home advantage stands for a lot. And in these match play situations, in these team events, anything can happen over the course of 18 holes. And that's what I really got this week. Scotty Sheffers, for, I'll go back to this again. He's your number one player in the world. He only got half point this week. Stroke play events are the 72 hole stroke play events are designed to get the best players over the best players to the top of the leaderboard over four days. If events were played over 18 holes, we'd have Sebastian Munoz winning so many. He'd have, I don't know, five or six PGA Tour wins last year or whatever it is, three or four. But it doesn't happen like that. My point is that over 18 holes, anything can happen compared to 72 hole events. And it, they are way more volatile. And there's no doubt about that. So to go in and say, like, the fact that the US team were 1-7 last week to win, odds on to win, it, just, it feels like it shouldn't be like that in a, in a team event where any can really happen. I do also think that watching the Italian Open a few weeks ago, Marco Simone had, it was September as well, the wind wreaked havoc with a lot of the players. I do buy into the narrative of 
European players are better in the wind than, or it's not European, Great Britain and Irish players are better in the wind than American players. Colin Morikawa is a prime example of this. The model, at the Model Maniac on Twitter, came up with this stat that he came up with a list of tournaments where Colin Morikawa has played badly in the wind. It's unreal. He's just this sort of, I don't want to say he's just a trackman golfer because he's so much better than just a trackman golfer, but he sees 60 yards and he hits the ball 60 yards bang on every time or 120 or 150 yards. He's excellent player with his irons. Throwing a little bit of wind, it just seems to wreak a little bit more havoc. And if we're going to Marco Simone in September, there is potential there for us to have a go at this. Have a go at this. Like, the other thing is, some of the like those drivable holes out there. The thing about drivable holes is they really help to. They don't. They don't require driving distance. Driving distance will not be a big factor. So like this week, ten out of the top twelve players, or nine out of the top twelve longest players at the Presidents Cup, were all uh, were all US players. I'm not sure how much that will matter as much at Marco Simone, where Luke Donald can grow the rough. He can have drivable par fours. We can make it a little bit easier for ourselves. I don't know how much it's going to matter as much. Um, so that, that's just a few thoughts I've gathered over the last 18 days or over the last week. Uh, the other thing is we need to see another JT and Rory happen at Rome. It's We got on the final day at Paris. We need it again. It, JT is the dog. He's the bulldog of the US team. Rory McIlroy is the stalwart that Luke Donald will be relying upon. We need them both screaming at each other like a McElroy and Reed match in 2016. We need that. So if we want to speak about the fact that the US team hasn't won on European soil since 1993, we do also need to acknowledge what Jordan Speed said in his press conference after this week when they were previewing 12 months ahead to the Ryder Cup. Jordan Speed spoke about the fact that the US team has no scar tissue right now. Absolutely 100% true. Could not agree anymore. This US team that we have is one of the best they've ever had. And if they win if they win in Rome next year, potentially they are the best that they've ever had. Incredibly, incredibly gifted bunch of golfers. They need to do it in Rome, but there is no scar tissue there. There's no egos. There's nobody going out there and sulking that they haven't played five games or whatever it is. It doesn't happen like that as much as that anymore. Everybody's happy to play their part. They understand that they might only get to play three or four times. Or they might only get to... It's going to happen. Scar tissue is a real thing. This play, this group of players are not affected by it. I am slightly concerned for the European Royal Cup team, but Guido, Larry, McIntyre winning over the last few weeks. Rory and Matt Fitz have been playing well. John Ram, hopefully can get it back going again. Let's see what happens. Fingers crossed. One player who played pretty well this week at the President's Cup, but didn't actually didn't actually get that many points on the board was Sam Burns. And why am I mentioning Sam Burns here? Is because Sam Burns is your defending San, Sanderson Farm Championship, which is the PGA Tour event, which is on which is happening this weekend down at um, the Country Club at Jackson. Is that the right name? Country Club at Jackson. I'm definitely missing her. Yeah, Country Club of Jackson. Uh, Sam Burns, your defending champion. This is going down to Mississippi, the PGA Tour. J- Jay Monnan's going to be riding his troops down to there. 
this course is one of the easiest courses that they play every year. I haven't dug too much into this. I don't know how much I will dig too much dig into this. If you're a better or a gambler, just bear in mind this fact that it's a random stat. There hasn't been a single PGA Tour winner that's closed below 41 since Horschel won the Memorial in early June. So it seems like a lot of the favorites are just winning right now. But like I mentioned, going into the country club at Jackson, this is a 7,461-yard par 72 course that was redesigned in twenty in 2008. It's long, but don't let that fool you. It's the average winning score here. I think it's been just under 19 under. So like people go low every single year. Um, Sam Burns won it last year. Sergio Garcia, Sebastian Munoz, Cameron Champ, Ryan Armour. They've all been your last five winners. Um, Sergio Garcia, I think he converted 54-hole lead here. Ryan Armour in 2017 actually won it from five shots behind on the last day. Over the last... One thing I like to do is like horses for courses. Who's played well here since 2017? These are the top players to play at the Country Club of Jackson since 2017 with a minimum of six rounds. Keegan Bradley... Denny McCarthy, C.T. Pan, Stuart Sink, Henrik Norlander, Sahita Gala, and Nicholas Lindheim. That's that. <laughs> um, so, like I mentioned, if you look at the betting board this week, the first player you're going to see probably is Sam Burns, who's the 12th best player in the world right now. At the President's Cup, he made, I think it was, oh, I keep getting these days all mixed up, I think it was Friday, he made eight birdies to 16 holes playing his own ball. Last year, when he won this event, he ranked first in strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained tee to green, and he ranked first in greens and regulation. I think he's like 9-1 to one or something this week. I don't know. Also making the trip from the Presidents' Cup, Sebastian Munoz, Munoz Christian Pazadenhout, and Sahit Tegala. Wait, Sahit Tegala wasn't... Even, sorry, just Sam Burns, Sebastian Munoz, and uh, Christian Pazadenhout. Sahit Tegala will also be in the field this week. Do with him what you want. Some players I've seen mentioned multiple times on Twitter. Let me go through a few of these. I only take five minutes or so. Denny McCarthy. Why does I say so low? It's like Denny McCarthy. As if I have a grudge against Denny McCarthy. The 29-year-old from Maryland has had a pretty good record here. He's had 40 20s in the last four years. and uh, Or sorry, in the last four years here. Um, Denny McCarthy has like, been playing good here. At the Country Club of Jackson, he's the second best player here over the, since 2017. He'll be an interesting one to keep an eye out on. Taylor Montgomery coming off the Corn Ferry Tour. He's only 27 years old. Finished third at Silverado two weeks ago. And he's into the world, the top 100 of the world for the first time ever. Keep an eye on him. Scott Stallings, he's won three times in the PGA Tour. He's 37 years old. And yeah, he's 58th in the world, and he's posted five top tens over the last four months, playing a little bit better, and he finished runner-up at the second of the FedEx Cup playoffs, the BMW Championship, in August. He's been playing pretty well over the past few months. Keep an eye on him. Harris English is a number that a lot of people have been interested in. I think he's around 55 or 60 to 1. He has had back issues and injury, and he finished 90 to 4th in that championship, 60 in 2020. He's an interesting one at 55 to 1 that some people might be interested in. I can't do it if I know he's injured, even though he's coming off a 9th to the 4th net. Can't do it. Taylor Moore, not a big fan of this, but it's just looking through the numbers. 5th at the Wyndham, 6th at the Rock and Mortgage. Mortgage. Finished 17th here last year. 36th at the 4th net championship two weeks ago. Yeah, he's uh, had some decent finishes, but at the BMW championship, he 
lost 6.5 five strokes ball striking and he's not a great wedge player so do it that way you will some good finishes but the, the numbers don't really add up to it um thomas dietrich is like an elite player off the tee he's finished 12th of the fourth net where he gained four point almost 4.8 strokes off the tee and he lost strokes in approach i'm not a big fan i don't really know who i'm excited about this week um Adam Adam Svensson might be one. He gained four strokes ball striking at the Fortinet Championship where he finished T12. He's top 40 from 100 to 125 yards and he's 40th in driving accuracy. Keep an eye on him. He is one that I actually like. In terms of other players I've seen mentioned on Twitter this week, Seamus Power, Alex Smalley, Davis Riley, Michael Thompson, Nick Hardy. Seamus Power getting a lot of love from what I can see, which gives me hope as a true patriotic Irishman. Um... And what else? I think that's pretty much it. God, this must be like the quickest episode we've ever done. Um, sweet. Like I mentioned, it's hell, hell of a hell of a week. These team events are always, always the best. The international presence, uh, presence cup, the Ryder Cup, they're so fun to watch. And like I mentioned, eighteen holes, volatility, anything can happen. This US team should have won twenty-five to five on paper. And it just shows how much can happen over the course of 18 holes. Don't want to harp, out about, harp on about it anymore. What I do want to harp on about is saying thank you for listening again this week. Whether you're in your car, whether you're having a beer, whether you're having a coffee, if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to it on Spotify, hope you enjoyed. Uh, any thoughts, questions, always feel free to hit me up on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, at the Puglai. YouTube, Mark Fox. I think if you search for the plug lie, it comes up there as well. Check it out every single Tuesday morning, 6 a.m., new podcast release. Keep it real, and I will chat to you again next week. Chat soon, guys. Bye-bye.